You're listening to Surplus Pulps, a radio show by Ed Hicks, written and recorded in Hackney. Episode 1, Hotels. of a now extinct kind of manta ray or something. And they drink fizzy wine-based drinks of many different colours. The people laugh too loud. Cameras perpetually flash. And anything that may once have had germs on it is so very, very far away. Much later on that night, in a penthouse apartment, in a hotel across town, Robbie is being fellated by a deaf boy from the agency. You can, um, you can ex- put that on an expense account, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. He has asked for him especially, as the boy's disability allows our Robbie to express himself verbally in whatever way he chooses. To the left of Robbie's chair, loosely strewn across a table, are the schematics of some art he has, at great cost, had commissioned. It is a brass Rodin-style sculpture depicting his very own ball sack, and it will be monumentally vast. Robbie sighs in luxurious contentment, and in doing so, lets out a long fart. Even my farts smell good, he thinks to himself. And they kind of do, yes. Gazing out to the long floor-to-ceiling windows, at the slowly moving cars and lights below, Robbie imagines the city burning, all of it burning the fuck down, the screams, the sirens, and all that chaos and death. It fills him with sweet, sweet tingles, and his trademark crooked grin 
creeps across the pudgy smear of his face. Yet his eyes are glazing over now. And as the synthetic opiates crescendo inside him, I'll get you, he mutters with twitching lips. Every last bastard one of you. boy is not an unintentional agreement. in the Shore Start Centre. I went down, met Mr Marchant. He was tall, moustache, thick glasses, you know. Oh, there was loads to do. Mess everywhere. So I just got straight on with it. First real job, I guess. The place couldn't have been there more than a couple of months. You wouldn't call it finished the decor, like every cupboard or space you could stash something in, was filled with building materials. Marchant seemed just quite practical about the whole thing. And we was beginning to get guests arriving. We didn't have anything really. Beds, bathrooms, It was me, a couple of other guys, and Marchant, of course. He lived on the top floor. Never seemed to go out for anything. We had to do it all. The laundry, cleaning, promotion, but even down to the plates. We didn't have plates at the time. I said, maybe we should just not do food for a while. Once he decided, well, so what he did was, they'd call down for room service, which honestly was just like a pipe in their floor going down to the bit where we hung around. And you'd hear them through the pipe, so we'd be like, yeah, of course, a sandwich. No worries, we'll get that sent up. And you'd have to uh, cup your 
turns around, and so especially when you're serving soup, which everyone hated doing, cup your hands round so it doesn't go all over the guests. And yeah, they just uh, eat it out of your uh, hands. Kind of like an animal, I guess. Didn't seem that weird at the time, though. You just did it. And some people like to make conversation. How long you been here? Oh no, we just opened. How do you like it? Fine, fine, great team. That kind of thing. There's others that didn't really want to talk. Kind of private. Just get on with it. Then at the end, there's a little nod or something and you quietly leave. I got really good at opening doors with my elbows. Also, it saved on washing up, massively. When Marchant finally got the plates in, I was a trolley for a while. When the order came, somebody would balance the plates and bottles on my back and I'd crawl up the stairs. So I'd get to the room and knock and shuffle in there and yeah. And they'd be like, oh, can you put it over there by the table or whatever. And you just let your mind wander. Then when they're done, you crawl out and back down again. The worst was when they forgot about you and you just end up staying there for hours. Sam, who I worked with at the start, he actually had to be a blanket for something like a month. Which I mean, yeah, that's a long time. He'd be wearing his long coat, go up there just before the guests got back and just, uh, like, lie on top of them, of the guest. All night. Of course, you'd have to stay awake and still the whole time. It's not easy. But that's the job. Now that requires, uh kind of intuition. Kids in hospitality now just don't get it. Eventually Marchant got blankets and then Sam got promoted to wardrobe where what you do is you have to cover your face cause like no one likes their wardrobe staring at them. Then they'll hand you their clothes and you just hold them in the corner of the room. He was actually being a TV for a while. Not long, because it didn't really work out. God knows how he did that one. Didn't ask. We were very young. There's a man alone in a hotel room. Let us stay a while and observe. He looks older than he is. The years, all of them, have not remained in linear formation experienced as subjective increments. 
but rather, like cells in mitosis, the line has become a full stop, metastasizing. So the years hang off its back and take up space. The door is locked, the bathroom dark, the minibar has been emptied down his neck, and he has pushed all of the furniture to one end of the room. Bedside cabinet is stacked on the desk with the waste paper basket and the pillows and the remote control. His suitcase and all of its contents, his shoes, all in one big pile. The man will sit in the space cleared, illuminated by a single light from the heap. It is in no way clear why he has done this. The hotel is, we imagine, utterly nondescript. A budget shelter. As with all of its kind, the building gives nothing of itself, while memory of the occupants are quickly removed by its spectral cleaners. Time moves on. It is only now that we, the observers, notice the room's single abnormality featureless ceiling, we see that it has been covered with the exact same kind of dark stained wood slats as the floor. This mirroring gives the disquieting impression that the room is in some way reversible. That somewhere, maybe in another place, there is a switch that when pressed will reverse the localized gravity. Is this what happened here with the furniture? Are we observing the aftermath of a floor-ceiling reallocation? Time moves on. As you can see, I actually wound up managing this place, yeah. Being the first one in, you know. And I've got this little room. It's out there past the staff area. That's nice enough. Well, we stopped seeing Martin. Just upstairs the whole time. Up on the top floor. Guess he had uh, some other way down because even to get food and stuff, we never cooked for him. The big issue was the building site noise. All day, all night, just ongoing. The place shook with it. We are an hotel, right? People come here to sleep. We tried reading to them, the guests. Ten minutes complimentary. Just whatever books were in the foyer, because, you know, people leave books here. You'd be reading, but it's not exactly like it dulls the noise. And eventually the guests would uh, 
just asked you to leave. We tried, what was it? Zarzopaclines? Sleeping pills, uh, Valiums, Lithiums, um, buckets of nitol. I ground the pills down and I put it in their tea and glasses of milk. We'd cut the power. 9pm off it went. Hopefully they were all clonked out by the pills by then but who knows. We only had about three guests by this point. Long term guys. So soundproofing. Oh, you heard about this yeah? Got all the mattresses from all the other rooms. Wait till the guest was out. Then go in. Fix them up, staple them to the windows. Then bulk it up with all the other duvets and stuff. No natural light, but I guess you'd only miss it in the morning, right? Then we got the carpets. The other rooms were all standardised, yeah? You get them, and we laid four, five, six in each. Eventually, you actually had to step up into the room to get in. We stopped charging people by this point. Seemed wrong. The other rooms by now were totally stripped. All the soft stuff had gone. So, three guests. And we didn't see them. They didn't really leave. I mean, I doubt that by this point they could. What with the noise, we totally barricaded the doors. And of course, I bought the meals. There was this little hatch thing we cut into their doors. So, open that up and push the tray through. And when you opened it, they were very upset. Which is totally understandable. And they would... They tried to get you through the hatch, which was never nice. And you'd have to kick it closed. But we were doing our best, given the circumstances. But they would be shouting and stuff, and so we'd put the padding down so we couldn't hear them. After a while... No one was answering the hatches. And I'd laid the rest of the staff off. It seemed like I'd done everything I could for the situation and things weren't really improving. I thought it's probably time to talk to Marchant. So I go up to the top floor and he's not answering his door. Now, got keys to everywhere obviously so I went in the lights were on total mess dusty you know takeaway boxes everywhere all the ashtrays full up glasses with stuff growing inside of them so I had a look around now I'm there the bathroom utterly disgusting He'd been living like an animal. 
but I searched around and at the back where the electricity wasn't working I saw this thing in the corner of the room went over and what it was he made this kind of ladder torn up bed sheets and chair slats really crudely done and it went up to what I saw was an hole in the ceiling it had been scratched out and formed this tunnel up to the roof or what I thought was going to be the roof didn't really know what to do but I was here now so I climb up there it went up for a good 10 meters or so and when I got to the top it opened out it's this darkened like concrete corridor very odd pipes going here there this one green light coming from one end so I climb up and I make my way slowly down the corridor it's really dark and you can't see that much but at the end there's this red door and on the other side I can hear voices footsteps high heels clipping about some really fake music bit odd so I open the door and it's It's the lobby area of another hotel. And it's not small either. One of those big stairways, revolving doors type of business. Busy. So I went up to the desk and I'm like, hi, I'm from the hotel downstairs. And they look at me weird, like they don't seem to know what I'm talking about. So I try, uh, is Mr. Marchant about? And they're like, oh yeah. Uh, and they spring into action and they take me back through the staff room which is like way bigger than mine and into this office and at the very back behind a massive table there he is same as always big moustache thinning on top weird thing is he didn't recognise me for ages but after a while he remembers and he's like oh Honda oh yeah of course, so the old place. Seems like so long ago. I've spent the last year or two building this place up here. So I suppose that cleared up the noise thing. And I tell him what's been going on and he nods and everything, but I can tell he isn't that interested. So I ask, well, what should I do? And he says, 
I think you have the situation firmly in hand. And I say, well, is there any positions up here going? Because it's really nice and I think I could probably bring a lot to the... But he's already shaking his head like, nah. Sorry, full capacity, lots going on. You wouldn't like it here anyhow. Plus, you have duties downstairs. And I say, but there's... There's no more guests. And he says, just keep on keeping on. I remember that line so clearly. The way he said it. Keep on keeping on. Glasses of Fanta floats and two spoons, one for each hand. And I order roast goose with all the trimmings. All oh, the trimmings were excellent, and I had them first. And four liters of gravy. Oh, I submerged all the goose in the gravy. Oh, the goose in the gravy. Oh, and I had some cake. From room service, room service, room service, ask and you shall receive. Oh, open your heart to the hands in Else tell them just what you need. Ales I ordered, gin and wine. I drank baby shammy till I lost my mind Oh, whiskey and grappa and ouzo and creme de month 
and archers and baileys and sherry and fernet branker and lambrini and aftershock and buckfast and port and then I vomited them all in the sink and I had some milk and a nap and when I woke up I ordered a wife on a job in finance and three children and a cat on a second home in the country oh a house in the country oh and they turned up and it was awkward at first because if I cannot leave because if I leave this room they must stay and they utterly depend on me and that's a lot of responsibility so now I have this new family living in my room And we argue as night and day And we've all grown fat and covered in boils Oh, and someone sat on the cat and it died So I've ordered another cat From room service, room service, room service Ask and you shall receive To the handset now Tell them just what you need Room service, room service, room service Asking you shall receive Well, open your heart to the handset now Tell them just what you need Well, tell them just what you need You have been listening to Surplus Bulbs Written and produced by Ad Hicks. With music by Ad Hicks. Featuring the voice of Jesse Onono. If you wish to support this show, follow the links in the text to our Big Cartel shop, where you can find scenes, prints, original art, and various paraphernalia. Good night.